Hey, uh, I've got a big announcement. Did you guys hear the news? We got a big announcement. Anybody hear the news? Yeah? So people have wondered if we're pregnant. So sorry to burst anybody's bubble. We're not pregnant. Some of you have really looked at us really intensely like, you guys aren't leaving, right? And we're like, no. So if, if you were one of those that actually wanted us to leave, sorry, your wish is not coming true today. Uh, no, we've got some very exciting things that we want to talk to you about today. And uh, to do this, I think it's better just to kind of trace our story, to trace our history. Uh, we've been here, actually, we just eclipsed six years for my family since we moved into the city. We moved into the city not knowing a soul. And it's been an incredible journey in these five years of existence as Fathom Church. It's been just amazing. Like, I'm not going to paint everything like it's been so easy because it hasn't, but it's been beautiful, you know, and and it's just been an incredible journey. And uh, we've been committed to the exact same thing since day one. We've been committed uh, of leading to, first of all, being a a life-giving, gospel-centered, diverse church in the city of Jacksonville with this one mission. It's to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, just carrying on the mission that Jesus gave us. We didn't feel like we had to come up with anything better than that. That was good for us to just go and make disciples. And and many of you, you've jumped on this journey three months ago or three years ago, or maybe from the very beginning, you've been on this journey becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if you're in this room, I, I just believe that you've been transformed and been growing in your relationship with Christ since you've been here. And we've been doing it by this very simple approach. These are our core values. It's, it's to meet people right where they're at with unconditional love. We believe that God leads the way in love. Like we love because he first loved us. And that's our starting point is unconditional love. So wherever you come from, you're in a safe space, no matter where you're at, however you come in. We've invited people into authentic community that we're, that we're not going to come in here and put on the mask and act like everything's okay all the time when it's not and we're hurting, and we're broken, like we can be real and be ourselves, and because until we're at that place, we can't truly begin to be de- devoted followers of Christ until we're being honest about where we're at, and we do this through service. We, we do this through serving one another. What an incredible uh, commitment that all of you have made, or so many of you have made in serving one another in the body of Christ, and then also serving in our city and in our community, and we're so thankful about that, and creativity is our final core value, which simply is about creator God, that he's never finished. He's not finished. It wasn't just create the, the earth and just let things kind of spin out of control on their own, but God is continually writing new stories, and he's not finished yet. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about today. We've had these same kind of vision and mission from the very beginning, uh, but I want to talk to you about kind of the next the next step in our story, and we're just calling it For the Story, and it's an expansion of our current facilities and a renovation of a portion of our facilities that we feel like is really necessary in order for us to fulfill these three responsibilities we have as a church. We feel we have a responsibility to reach new people, right? To go is the key word in our mission, to go make disciples, Um, secondly, to care for our current people and to develop our current people. And we feel that that this expansion, this For the Story expansion is going to help us do all three of those at a much greater level. And this expansion will include both renovation and and, uh, expansion. And so our campus, uh, not too later this year, will be added on in what we call our back patio uh, to look something like this, we'll, we'll give it a, a clean coat of paint and then build right behind this stage directly what we've called our back patio. We'll put a brand new facility back there. It won't just include that. I'll come back to this picture. I know you're really excited uh, seeing that because it's going to be a big deal, uh, a big change for the life of our church. But uh, really, this is, is what this expansion will include. It'll include uh, a little over 1,400 square feet, nearly 1,500 square feet um, on our back patio here. And then up in uh, the, the front area where you enter, what's our, now our coffee lobby, our, our coffee area, our kitchen, our bathrooms, our office, all that will be completely renovated. So it's going to look completely 
different. That space has been challenging from the get-go. I mean, this is what it looks like now. That whole lobby space is about 230-some-odd square feet. So if you go in and you measure your living room, most of your living rooms are bigger than that. (laughs) And so imagine trying to gather, you know, a lot of people in the same space and have room for everybody, and it just hasn't been conducive to to gathering people. We've needed to do it since day one, but now we we really believe it's the season in which we're going to do it. So that'll begin to change, and you see where a coffee bar used to be, that is now going to be restrooms. And so it's complete changing of the format there, and it'll be multi-facility. How many of you have waited on the bathroom or walked up to the bathroom, right? Like everybody, just raise your hand because you have. If you've been here for more than a day, you've waited on the bathroom or just said, I'll have to hold it till lunch, right? Uh, And then you keep going back, and it's closed every time you go, and it's like, I'll just hold it. And so many of you have just trained your bodies to go early in the morning, like we're kids, you know, and there's no bathrooms. Uh, But you'll see, I mean, look at the big difference that's going to have as you enter the entire left side when you come in will just be completely open. And so this is going to give much more room for us to connect with one another. Our guest services team is going to have a much more open way to be able to connect and see um, our attendees as well as our guests coming in and connecting. See a little kitchen island there, open shelving, if you can kind of think of like an open cafe style back in the corner as you come in, your far left. And then this kind of area on the bottom left is kind of self-service coffee. You'll be able to come in and and uh, make your cup of coffee and not feel everybody's got a lot more room in there to, to do that. So we're really excited about that. You also might see just kind of to um, between the doors and where that sink is, you see maybe just a tiny little sliver. That's actually going to be a, a TV monitor in which we'll have uh, new cameras mounted in here and allow a video feed out there for nursing moms or parents of young children that they're still in here and maybe they start getting out of hand. You'll have a space to be able to slip away to uh, and comfortably be able to feed and care for your child while not being disconnected from the service. And so we're really excited about how that's going to be at serving our families and and taking care of you all as your life changes. And some of y'all have kids now and you're like, yes and amen, we've needed that for a long time. Some of you are like, I can see that being helpful when I I do have kids. And so we're really excited about all the impact this is going to have. We're going to triple our lobby space, triple our bathroom capacity. We're going to improve the guest experience and then obviously provide a video feed for parents, what a big deal that's going to have. Uh, and it's really just going to change the entire feel. You're going to feel that every week and not having to wait for the bathroom or not having to wait as long and then just being able to be comfortable and not feel like you're walking through a tiny high school hallway in which you have to kind of work your way through weird conversations. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, and so the, the second portion of this, if you obviously the big addition on our, on our campus is on this back side, this a new facility. It'll have a sidewalk and a whole area that comes right up from our parking lot so you can enter directly in there. There won't be any doors. We're not putting any doors in the back of the stage. It'll be an annex in which you'll be able to enter directly, but just from from the outdoors. Um, And so here's kind of the floor plan of this. The primary use of this facility will be a multi-purpose space. We don't really have space like that, and and you need some kind of extra extra space. And so I'll come back to this and talk you through this floor plan, but but let's just talk about that multi-purpose space. Uh, One of the primary uses will will be student ministry that is happening right now. Right now, they're breaking all these chairs down, and it's kind of a big room for where our students are now. And so this will be a place where they can just come in, have the ping pong table set up, and just jump right in. And that's going to make it a lot lighter load as well on our our volunteers who are serving there. But we think it's just going to be a a really welcoming, friendly, uh, modern space for for everyone to connect and get used out of this. So it's going to allow our student ministry to really take the next steps. Our DNA sessions, which currently take place today and next week, if you haven't been, we'd love to have you. Um, uh, right after service over in our kids' building, and, and if you've been there, it's about a 20-minute layover as we try to get that room ready and get kids out. So our DNA sessions will just be right in there, right after service. People will just be able to enter in, and uh, Giancarlo and team will be able to serve you, and we'll be able to dive right in there. So space like that for mid-sized anchor groups, for event space, for a baby shower, wedding shower, for our conferences, having a second space. Uh, for those of you that were at our marriage conference last year, it was like, ladies, you're going to be in here for your breakout. Guys, you're outside. <laughs> and, and luckily, we, got, uh, we, we were blessed with, with good weather, but other times, there's just nowhere else to go. And so this is going to provide excellent, just multi-purpose space for us to get a ton of use out of it. Also, a, an audio and video studio uh, production area, which is going to be such a blessing to see ministry move forward in a 
you know, enhancingly digital age in which very little of our life uh, is in paper form and many times not even in person. So being able to extend our ministry through uh, audio and video is going to have a huge, huge impact. Um, Here's again what that space, this whole multi-purpose space will be completely set up to be able to serve with, you know, lights and audio and uh, projections similar to what's in here, but just on a much smaller scale so that our, our students can go in there and, and set up and plug in and, 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 uh, and have instruments and play and have worship. Well, obviously, uh, since our office space is being relocated, we'll have some of that in here. And then obviously you see this AV studio that's going to be able to serve. We have some folks here in the house and our production team and in our worship department who are ready to dive in, pushing ministry forward, but really needing some space where we can set up this audio production um, and video production stuff to really see ministry moving forward. And so, man, I'm, I'm really excited just to have the impact all this is going to have. It's going to have a huge impact. I mean, how is this going to change the mission it's going to change it in every way. Like it's really going to allow us in so many fronts. It's not, there's nothing it's not going to touch in our ministry and moving things forward. We've been here for five years and just continue to chuck away. And I think this is going to allow us to move into the next phase. And, and truly one day we'll build on this property and that'll be kind of our next phase. And so when I say big announcement, it doesn't mean that's what's next. But one day, I mean, th- there is a need for that, for us to have updated children's facilities and all that stuff. We, we processed a lot of different options in this space and, and uh, um, among our staff and board of directors, this is uh, the, the decision that we've made going forward on, on the use of these facilities. And we're really excited about how they're going to impact. So um, just, just talking about how this is going to impact it, literally, literally in, in every single way, we believe it's going to have a, an impact. Uh, some of you are probably asking already, you start to ask yourself some questions, like timeline, like when's this going to happen? Uh, our hope is early fall, uh, early fall, like say, like that's, that's really soon. Yeah, yeah, it's really soon. And so we're pushing at a pretty fast pace timeline. Everything that, that we've been able uh, to get going so far has been done free of charge. These renderings, the architectural drawings, they've all been done as donated um, materials and do- donated labor, labor. And so we haven't spent a dime on this yet, but we bring this to you to bring you on board and ask you to be a part of this. Uh, so here's the big question. The other question you're probably asking is not only timeline, but um, what's it going to cost, right? How long is it going to take? What's it going to cost? We think that the, the actual timeline of it taking place will take about 11 weeks for the expansion and probably four to five weeks for the renovation, right? That, that, that's our hope, and that's the timeline we're going to push it on. And hopefully we're going to line that up where we only are out of our, ba- our bathrooms for one weekend, and we're only out of that whole space for two weekends. So we'll have a big demo day, and that'll be a ton of fun after church one day. Let's go in there. Somebody will start barbecuing outside, and everybody else will be getting in here with a hammer after we clear everybody out and get everything out of there. Um, th- there'll be lots of opportunities for you to jump on board and help with lots of different pieces of the project, and Christina will, will be uh, navigating that and, and helping honor and volunteers for this. But here's what we think it's going to cost. We think it's going to cost about $200,000. We're uh, Right now, uh, over this month, we'll have building plans, actual drawings and, and building plans, not just conceptual stuff, but building plans by the end of this month or first week in June. And so we're hoping to start this expansion by the beginning of July. That's our heart. That's what we're pushing for. As you know, many times it costs more and takes longer than what you expect. So we, we understand that. We, we think $200,000 is going to get the job done here. But as we get these floor plans and get true estimates from contractors based off of those plans, we'll have a, a better, clearer picture on all that stuff. So if we have to update you higher or lower, we'll do that. But right now, this is what we're raising for. Here, here's the good news is we've been raising for a while, actually, and we've got some cash commitments that's already come in, um, uh, mo- mostly in-house, uh, just uh, through some leaders and staff. And then uh, I've really been hustling, talking to a lot of contractors, and uh, g- both general and subcontractors, to really donate time, materials, and labor. And we've, we've seen great headway on that so far. So we're not starting at zero today. We're really launching into this, hoping to close the deal over the next couple of months as we just invite you on this journey. Um, I'm really excited about this project. I'm really excited about this project. I'm, s- some might expect that I would be excited about this project, or you might suspect the reasons I'm excited about this project being 
oh great, like just a new facility going to help ministry grow and like expand and more people attending. All that's going to happen. Uh, that's not why I'm most excited about this project. Um, the reason I'm most excited about this project is you and what God's about to do in your heart over the next five months. That's literally, I, I can't get past that. That's the reason I am most excited about this project is I think God's about to stretch you and expand your heart and your faith in ways in which you've probably never experienced before. And that's my heart in this, is that every single one of us would, one, not only see the impact that this ministry's had on our own life personally, and I'm a different human being than I was when I moved to this city six years ago. I'm just a completely different, my wife, my marriage, my family, we're just completely different. God has changed our lives, and and I know if he's changing ours, I I truly believe in seeing through your story and knowing you, that he's, he's transforming you, and I think that's just about to be multiplied in the coming months. And so our heart and prayer is that we have 100% participation in this, right? We can all sacrifice at different levels. For some of us, sacrifice might be $100 over five months, $20, 25, 20 bucks a month, right? That might be sacrifice for you. I, I, I don't know, but I, I know it's going to take it the same thing that it's taken to this point. It's going to take not the talents of a few or the, the finances of a few, but it's going to take the sacrifices of many, And our heart is that every single person would buy in at some level, whatever that might be, whatever your kind of sacrifice, true sacrifice, leaning in to see the vision go forward, we're inviting you to be a part of this. If you say, hey, man, I'm not that into it, but you'll give a dollar a month for five months that's designated for this, then amen. We want everybody 100% buy in. I know that some of you, some of you have means to be able to move the project forward in a much greater way, and we're inviting you to sacrifice in that as well, and so that we can we can truly move this forward. I remember the story of the, the widow who brought just a few coins and Jesus looked at her and said, she gave more than anybody because her sacrifice was the greatest. And so Jesus doesn't look at this as a numbers game. It's a heart thing. It's a hard thing, and that's why this whole project is not about the story of buildings and facilities. It's, a, it's about building faith and what God is going to do in our lives, and it's about the lives that will be impacted. And I would just ask you to consider, as you pray over the next couple of weeks, in two weeks from today, we're going to have Commitment Sunday. This is Big Announcement Sunday. Two weeks is Commitment Sunday. So next week is Mother's Day. We're going to do baby dedication. It's going to be amazing. In two weeks, we're going to do Commitment Sunday, and we're going to invite you to come and, and drop a commitment card that of saying, hey, this is pastor. This is what we're going to do as a one-time gift. This is what uh, we're going to invest in as far as a monthly gift over the next five months. And so whatever that might look like for you, I'm asking, I'm not telling you what, to, I'm just asking you to pray about it. And, and I think as you pray about it, ask the, this biggest question, why? Why? What is God trying to do in my life through this? What's on the other side of this? Am I sowing into this story because of my own family and how we've been impacted or what he's going to do in our family in the future? Am I sowing it into for the student ministry and what's going to happen there? Am I sowing it into for our new guests and new families that arrive because you came into the city not knowing a soul like I did and you just have felt the warmth and embrace of a spiritual family here? I'm just asking you to pray about that and know why. Hey, we've been really blessed um, this week as we were praying and talking to some different uh, partners and donors outside of our church. We had one generous donor who's, who made, who's made a very generous offer in to match everything that comes in as a, a cash and a commitment over this month. He's going to match everything up to $25,000 dollar for dollar. So dollar for dollar, so whatever you give over this month, whatever you commit to, if you're, you're going to do $1,000 or $2,000, it's going to be $4,000, it's going to be $2,000, it's going to double through your investment. And so this is, like we could see $50,000 of this coming really quick, and then we're on the back nine of this, the back, just the back 25%. So we're really excited about that. It's going to be a real blessing, and I think it gives us a ton of incentive to pray about this and see what God is speaking to our heart. Um, because... We, like I said, this is going to be a, a prayer journey, and it's going to be a faith journey for all of us. And so I, I think this is a, an exciting part of what God's going to do. Uh, as you leave today, the ushers are going to be handing out these commitment cards. Take this home, pray over it, put it in your Bible, and pray over it for the next couple of weeks. And we'll come back, and uh, we'll ask you to write why you're, you're sowing into this story. We'll, we'll have you drop those commitment cards, and, 
And then we're going to hand everybody this 40-day prayer devotional, and we're going to do this together, like starting that next Monday, so that May 21st, this is an incredible resource that we're just going to be on a journey together. And so for your investment in that, man, we're just going to invest in your prayer life and in your discipleship because this is, this is what it's about for me. It's not about facilities. We can build a facility and, be, and let it become an idol, and we have failed greatly. But if we sow in with a heart, like to see the mission and vision of making disciples and devoted followers of Christ, the transformation he's going to do in a young person's life or maybe something similar to what he's done in our own life. Um, I, I think it's going to impact us in ways in which I can't even put into words today. So, so I'm asking you to pray about it. I'm asking you to, to truly pray what God, how God would have you be involved. I think this is going to be one of the most exciting seasons our church has ever experienced. Um, and I want you along for the ride. I want you along for the journey because I truly believe it's going to be transformational in each of our lives. And so uh, are you excited about that? Yeah, I figured you would be. I figured you would be. Um, and so I, I'm really excited about what this is going to mean. We'll be telling you a lot more about this project. Obviously, we'll be updating you and on-ramping you and helping with different aspects that we can help with. But man, I'm just excited about the spiritual side, the faith side of this. So, uh, so th- there's the big announcement, right? There's the, no, we're not leaving, no babies um, right now or any time in the future. So... Um, so I'm excited to, to dive into the word. Hey, that, that's not my sermon for today. I'm going to try to keep it brief, but I, I've been out of, I've been away for two weeks and that's going to be hard, y'all. It's going to be really hard um, for what God's been doing in, in my life and in my own heart through this. And so I'm going to skip all the niceties and the cute stories. And I just want to turn to Genesis chapter 15 with you. And we're going to jump in here and we're going to read this story. Today we're starting a new series called For the City, For the City. Uh, a church, as time progresses on, a church becomes progressively more inward focused. Maybe we started out looking outward, but we have to constantly monitor our own hearts because we, we get very inward focused on what this means for me, right? Even as I talk about this vision, this announcement, we're thinking, how's that going to impact me? What's it going to cost me in this series over this month is designed to get us focused outward, to get us focused outward on what God can do in this city and that we wouldn't be, be we, we have to keep in vision our own hearts, but with a focus and a passion to reach the lost. And I think that God is going to stir that up in us. Just like he's stretching our faith, he's going to stretch our, our passion for reaching people that are far from God. And so I want to turn to Genesis chapter 15 and begin this journey by really looking way back in the story. In Genesis chapter 15, God is establishing his covenant. It's known as the Abrahamic covenant in which God is not only beginning a relationship, but he's establishing a covenant. So let me talk to you about what a covenant is. A covenant is this ancient practice that's not so dissimilar to some of the, the treaties or contracts um, or uh, legislation that we find in our common world, right? This past week, we, we had some pretty uh, big treaty signed between North Korea and South Korea. Everybody know what I'm talking about, right? There's some major, and so you probably signed a cell phone contract within the past 12 months, right? And when you would sign that, you just kind of, you don't read anything, no? Does anybody read their cell phone contract? Probably not. Right? And we just kind of do it very flippantly. So some of our, some of our thoughts on contracts are, are very um, kind of surface level and we don't consider them. A covenant at this time was a major deal. It was also a very common practice. They did it on a regular basis. Happen. It would happen when uh, a certain tribe or individual or nations would come to establish a covenant. And in this covenant, there would be two parties, one who is kind of in a superior place and one who's more of like, if this is, if you're familiar with like the the Middle Ages or the medieval times, like a superior king and a vassal king. There'd be, you know, one who would provide his protection and the vassal king, the lower of them, would come and he would, you know, pledge a certain amount of money uh, or investment to the superior king in exchange for protection for strength, 
for prosperity. That's what they really hope to get out of this. And we're going to find this text here in Genesis chapter 15. I want to read straight through it and we'll talk about this a little more. Um, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up, to the, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite the other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Um, Then birds uh, of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram, Abram drove them away. Skip down to verse 17. Let's finish out the chapter. Uh, When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt of this uh, uh, to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, Perizzites, the Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and the Jebusites, right? You were tracking with me there. Um, the, there's a lot to this covenant stuff, and it's, and it's here. Um, again, like I said, this would kind of be between uh, a superior king or between an individual, a tribe, and nations that would come and, and make this covenant. And I think I've got just a few other thoughts, if you'll toss those up here. These covenants would also always include a sacrifice of some sort. Even pagans would bring a sacrifice and ask that these false deities would come and bless or curse whoever keeps or does not keep the covenant. Even even pagans would come and bring these sacrifices, so it was so a part of the culture. Uh, And there were roughly eight steps to this covenant. We won't go through all of them today, but let's highlight just a few of these that we will talk about. The pre-ceremony actions, the selection of representatives and the cutting of the sacrifice, and then the walk unto death. We see the exchange of robes and belts and weapons in a relationship like David and Jonathan, where they exchange a belt, they exchange a robe, they exchange weapons. And so let's talk about about this a little more. Before we get back into the, the Genesis 15, I want to back you up three notches to Genesis chapter 12, in which God has come to Abram, and he said, hey, I want to do something in you and through you. He said, I want to bless you, and I want to make you a great nation. And God was like, I, 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 this is what I'm going to do for you, not what you're going to do for me. This is what I'm going to do for you. In verse 4 of, of chapter 12, he says, go, leave the place you've known. And I think this is really important for us to start here in chapter 12 for what God is doing in our hearts today and over the next five months. And this is, this is going to be the most simple part of the sermon, but you can't afford to miss it. Because if we're going to go where he's calling us to go, we've got to leave where we're at, right? If we're going to go where he's called us to go, we've got to leave where we're at. I know that's a dumb statement, but it's the truth in our own lives. How many times are we praying for something to change, something to be different? Uh, let's say, hey, I'm going to get out of the financial trouble I'm in, but we keep spending money on the stupid stuff that we've always spent money on, or we keep staying at the same dead-end job in which they haven't given us a pay increase in 10 years. Like, we keep waiting for something to change, but nothing's changing. If I'm going to go where God's taking me, i got to be willing to leave where I'm at. And this whole idea of for the city and looking outward, we grow more and more comfortable in which I don't want to leave where we're at. 
I, I, I don't want to leave the comfort of my seat here, and I don't want to leave the comfort of our service times, and I don't want to leave the comfort of my like spiritual happy place. Don't mess up my spiritual happy place, right? And but God has not called us to a life of comfort, but one of devotion, in which we will follow Him faithfully, no matter what it costs us. And I just have to ask you. If you want to go where God is taking you, are you willing to leave where he's brought you to? And this is a huge moment for us in this room to say, am I willing to trust God in these next steps? These are the pre-covenant actions. And that's what Abram did. He left and he went to a place in which he was uncertain what it was going to look like. God said, I'll show it to you when you get there. And so Taryn and I in the past, as we prayed on a, 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 some, something similar to what we're doing today, an expansion or, or, or a ministry that we feel like God is calling us to give to, it's like God, it's like pre-covenant actions. Like, all right, God, what's that going to look like? And the conversations, and we keep wrestling with it and just constantly wading through this until we get to a place of like maybe a couple of numbers God's putting us, put in our heads, and then it's are we going to walk forward with that? Am I actually going to go pray about this or am I just going to leave it where it's at? And so I, I just got to tell you, we, I got to be willing to leave where I'm at in order to go where he's taken me. At, at one point before we ever moved to the city, I had to first and go talk to my, my boss who was my pastor that I was working for and say, hey, I feel like God's doing something in us and I don't really have, it was a pre covenant of this church and the launch of this church. It was an action. It was putting it out there. It was when we moved to the city and we didn't know. So it was, a, it was an action. And every step has been an action. And, and I had this sick feeling in my stomach when I was telling people about this because I'm like, I hope they're into this. Because it's, it's their pre-covenant action stepping out on faith in which their money is not there for. And so it's trusting God in that. And he's asking us to do the same. Let's get into verse one here. And I love this text so much. Love this text. The Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Do not be afraid. I am your shield and your great, your very great reward. Um, he, he, the, I don't love to like spend time like waiting in the language and linguistics of the study of the scriptures, but sometimes I think it's really, really helpful. And the word shield here and the word re, reward are both nouns. Anybody like an English major? Anybody here in that? Like, there's some English major. Yeah, they're both nouns, right? Person, place, or thing, and it's preceded by I am your shield. And so he's saying, this is who I am. This is my character. I'm your shield. Like, you don't have to teach a good mom and a good dad to be protective of their children. You don't have to because it's just who they are. Like, I didn't have to teach Taryn. God didn't have to teach her to be protective. She was just protective naturally. It's who she is. And I remember when Beckett was just little, and I've seen it with all three of our kids. He's on the edge of the playground, and he's ready to jump into daddy's arms, but he's terrified the first time. He's terrified because he doesn't know how much of a beast I am. But now he knows I'm a beast, and so he just jumps off. I'm just kidding. Taryn's muscles are bigger than mine. I need to get to work on that. But... Um, She's got his mama muscles. So anyway, um, so, but now he just jumps because he knows my character. He knows daddy's going to catch him. And the same is true with us. Like God is developing character in us. He is developing faith in us to trust who he is. And what's interesting about this, if we look into the text and you flip back one chapter earlier, Abram has actually, he's been on this journey and his nephew Lot is with him. And, and as they've journeyed at some point, like they were just kind of button heads, I think is what was going on. And he's like, all right, Lot, you go this way and I'm going to go this way. But what happened when Lot left is he actually got kidnapped. And so Abram's like, all right, now I've got to be rescuer here. And so he sent 318 of his trained men, split them up into multiple camps and they went and they got his nephew back. So that's chapter 14. And so here we are now and God is saying, do not be afraid. I'm your shield. Not only is, is Abram really worried about some physical retribution that might take place because he took his nephew back and certainly killed some men probably in the process, you know, through his trained men. Not only is he worried about the physical fear that he's dealing with, but he's got this emotional anxiety because he still doesn't have an heir. Not only is he worried about the physical outcome, he's got some fear 
in the physical. He's got fear in the emotional. Right? I think for a lot of guys in the room, you're like, oh man, I want a, I want a boy to carry on my, my, my last name. That's kind of a more old school idea. Um, not everybody's like that. But in, the, um, in kind of the ancient Middle East, this was a big deal. This was a major deal. If you didn't have a male heir of your own flesh and blood, it really brought shame upon your family, right? So it's kind of a completely different culture and mindset here. So he's struggling with this emotionally that he does not have an heir yet. And and God is telling him, this is who I am. I'm a shield. Like, don't worry about the physical. Don't worry about the emotional this is who I am. I'm going to bring protection. Not only that, but he says, I am your very great reward. And if you read through a bunch of translations, and, and, and I, I constantly am trying to, to teach folks to pull back the layers and study the Hebrew and Greek as much as you can, Hebrew Old Testament and Greek New Testament, um, because some translations just get it wrong. And, and here, like uh, over uh, probably a majority of the, the translations get this wrong because they make this phrase in verse one, they make it about Abram's reward when that's not what God was saying. And we completely miss the context of, of what God is speaking because remember in a covenant, um, the vassal king, the lower king would come and he would bring a reward. He would bring wages to the superior. I'm bringing, I'm, the, I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing you the wages so that you'll give me protection. And so that's kind of that's how a contract, a treaty works out. Like we give you a cut on these taxes, these imports, and then America's going to look out for Argentina. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that type of situation. And, and that's not what God's saying here. There's three words and it's adverb, verb, noun. It's still God saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. And, and he, an adverb just expounds and it modifies the statement that, or the verb that follows. And so the so let, let, let's follow with me here. The reward that he's talking about is he's referencing this covenant idea in which you will bring something to me. And God's saying, you don't need to bring anything. He said, I, I am the wage. I, I am the hire. I am the reward. I'm both the protection and the provision. And so you don't have to, to kind of get caught up in yourself. You don't have anything to fear because you couldn't bring anything to me that would really like, you know, what are we going to really bring God? You know, that's why the scriptures say obedience is better than sacrifice. It's not a matter of what he asks you to sacrifice. It's a matter of your obedience to what he's asking you to sacrifice. And here he says, I'm your very great reward. It's, it's a, the, the meanings there is abundance, multiplication, and wage. And so the verb is great and, and the adverb is is abundance. And so it's not just multiplication, but it's an abundance of multiplication. That's why when we put our life in Christ, the first reward we get is salvation and relationship with God, right relationship with God. But he, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Then he brings us hope and, and we have peace in our hearts and we understand joy like we've never experienced it before. And then we realize we get family in this too. And it's like glory to glory, salvation that keeps saving us. And we realize Man, it is a very, it's, it's an exceedingly great reward to have relationship with God because then we have access as an heir to everything he has. That's what would happen. You'd have the protection, the prosperity, and the strength that comes from him. He's not saying about, he's not talking about Abram's reward and what he would bring. He's saying, I am your protection. I am your provision. And if this isn't foreshadowing to what God will ask Abraham to do in Genesis chapter 17, in which he, he is asked to go and sacrifice his own son. You guys remember that story? He's, he has to, he, he's bringing his son up a mountain to sacrifice him and God provides a ram in the bush. God was again enunciating, I'm going to be, I'm going to make the provision. If this isn't foreshadowing to the cross, that God will make provision ourselves. It's not about us keeping all the rules of the law, but about understanding that he is the reward. And that's what God's saying through this. And here's what I've learned is that my faith or my, my fear is connected to my faith in his character. My, as my faith increases, my, as my faith in his character increases, so my fear decreases. John the Baptist said in, in John 3.30 that I must decrease that he can increase. And when we're having trouble with fear, what we're really having trouble with 
is decreasing ourself. And, and what we're really having trouble with is entrusting him. But as my faith in his character grows, my fear diminishes. And as I decrease it and say, you know what? I'm not my own provider anyway. God, you are. <laughs> it, it, it begins to shape everything and how I look and things that I thought were big are not big anymore because I know in my weakness, he's strong. And I know that he's got grace sufficient for it and he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And, and it's so much bigger than that. And God is doing something in our faith through this. And he's saying, I'm, I'm your protection. Like, and I'm your provision. I got both sides of this. Um, God is underscoring his all-sufficient nature, nature to Abram. That you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear, man. I've got you. He goes on to obviously you know, say it was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith. In verse 2, Abram starts getting real. He's like, good talk, God, but like, let's talk about this. How, this isn't possible. Like, What can you give me? What can you give me? I don't have a, I'm childless. I don't have one who will inherit everything that you will give me. What good is all that? And, and I just want to stop here for just a second and ask you a question. Do you know that God can handle your honesty? He can handle your honesty. It doesn't scare him. He greatly prefers your honesty over your hypocrisy. By putting the mask on, act, acting like everything's fine and, and, and you're just, and, and you're not. Acting like you're in this, you know, hardcore pursuit of God when you're not. Like you haven't even thought about him all week. You haven't even opened the scriptures one time this week. You haven't even prayed except for when you need something. And God's saying, just get real with me. Just get honest. And, and this is where Abram's getting to because here's what I found in my own life. I cannot grow until I get honest about my doubts, my pain, my fears, my failures, my frustrations. I can't grow until I get honest about where I'm at. The most transformational times in my life has been when I've looked myself in the mirror and said, you're a hypocrite. You act like you do it, but you don't. You act like you care, but you don't. I act like I care about the loss, but I don't. I act like I, I care uh, uh, about, you know, God's church going forward, but I don't. I'm actually more focused on myself, more focused on how it's going to affect me. The most transformational times is when I look myself square in the eyes and, and, and really get honest about where I'm at. God, this don't make sense. Like, I get it. Like, nice story, nice vision, nice promise to me, God, but I, I just don't see how. And what God tells him to do is he tells him to go outside and, and look up. He, he says, I'm going to fulfill this promise like I want to fulfill this promise through uh, an heir, a physical heir for you. But I want you to go out and look. He said, I'm not just going to like meet the need. I'm not just going to provide you one son, one son and then it's over with. Go look up. He said, if you can count them, he's like, I can provide and I will provide greater than what you can ever imagine. You can't count those stars. He said, I've got exceedingly great reward for you and it is going to impact our lives. God eternally fulfills his covenant to abundance. He's not done yet. He's always making things new. And so as Abram begins to get real about what God is asking him and what he is, this covenant that he is um, establishing, it, it continues further in verse seven. Um, God reminds him, I'm the Lord who brought you out to give you this land to take possession of it. First, God says, hey, go and look up. And then now God's saying, look back. Just remember where I brought you. If I brought you this far, don't you think I'm going to bring you that far? And some of us, we feel, some of us in this room for years, for decades even, you have felt trapped in the middle. Like knowing there is a promise, knowing there is a promised land, but you can't find your way into it. But here's the good news, and this is what God's saying to Abram, and I believe what he's saying to us. You aren't caught in the middle forever. When he brings you out, it's because he's going to bring you in. Like the people of God will not stay in the wilderness forever. They'll cross over at some point into the promised land. He hasn't brought you out into the middle to abandon you. He hasn't brought you this far in your relationship with him to abandon you, but to take you in and give you new possession, um, to take possession of the land. That new land could mean a lot of things. 
That new land could be spiritual breakthrough in your life. It could mean freedom from addiction in some way. It could uh, mean the, the promise that he spoke to you a decade or two ago would come to be. I, I don't know what that new land that he has set before you individually, but I know what he set before us as a church, and you're a part of that. If you're part of the body of Christ and this is your home, then you, and even if this isn't your home, like you're part of the body of Christ and you're here, man, God has set before us some land that he is calling us to take possession of it. And I, and I believe this is a season in which we're going to take possession of new land that he is destined for us to take. And we need to be patient and faithful to, to carry that out to fruition. I told you all I wasn't going to be short. I've been out of it for two weeks, so I'm almost done. Um, Abram has another question to God. He says, how can I know? How will I know? You know, you guys remember that song? He said, how can I know? Like, he's just trying to get real with God. He's like, for real, for real, how am I going to know? You know, like, for real, for real. Like, can you, can you give me some evidence here, God? I don't see evidence of this. How will I know that this is going to be real? And I want you to see how God responds here. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can, I, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer. That's God's response. Bring me a heifer. <laughs> a goat and a ram and each three years. What does God ask them to do? He doesn't answer his question, does he? Does God answer his question? How will I know? He didn't say anything. He said, bring me something. Bring me a sacrifice. So many times we spend our life trying to get rid of the questions. When what God wants to do is actually provide an opportunity to prove himself to us. Because what we hope to get out um, of an explanation, he wants to provide to us through an encounter. What we're hoping to get out of an explanation to the answer of our question, just an, an encounter with him will tell us everything we've ever wanted and needed to hear. Most of the time, God will answer our questions with an opportunity to prove himself. This opportunity will always require our faith and action. And I think for Abram here, it was cutting an animal in half and bringing sacrifices. For Peter, it was stepping out of the boat. For Moses, it was throwing his staff down and then grabbing the tail of what turned into a snake. I don't know what the action that God is telling you to do, but I know what he's telling us to do as a church. And it's to trust him, even if we've got questions, it's to take the next step and to trust him. Why does God do it like this? Why doesn't God just answer our questions that we've been asking? Why not? Several reasons. One, covenant is two-sided. And so far, we've brought nothing to the table. It's two-sided. In order for him to establish it, he, he is inviting us to obedience. It's two-sided, right? He's already been the protection and the provision. So what about for us? It's going to be the faithfulness, he asks us. It's going to be obedience is our portion of it. Secondly, because God is more concerned with my character than my comfort. He's more concerned with the growth of my faith than the resolution of my questions. He's more concerned with your character than he is your comfort. And so if it stretches you beyond that, God is going to stretch you and to make you more like Christ. And then lastly, because we learn more through encounter than we do in explanation. That's why God does it like he does it. That, that, that's why he doesn't just say, oh yeah, don't just, I mean, he could say, just trust me. And, and he's laid it out for him already, but that's not doing the trick. But what does do the trick for Abram? is having to bring a sacrifice, and he does it, and he's, and he's obedient, and he's faithful to bring that to God. And we get down to verse 17 here, and I'm closing now. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and, and passed between the pieces. Then God made a covenant with Abram. To your descendants, I will give this land. This step in the covenant is called the walk unto death. Right? We can see that in the New Testament, Jesus' walk unto death. And here in the walk unto death, what they're doing is they're vowing to one another that they'll be faithful and true 
to what they've promised and what they've made covenant to today. And so what would happen is each party would actually walk around the sacrifices in a figure eight. And they'd both pass through the middle. And as they pass through the middle, they would look up and say, if I don't uphold my end of the bargain, so be it for me. Cut me into God. And, and here, it's even, Abram doesn't even, in this text, doesn't even go through it, but God is passing through in this form of this fire and this flame and this smoke through it and saying, it'll be done. And God made this covenant with Abram. But what I want to highlight here is then God, uh, and on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I um, give this land. He didn't say, I will give this land. He said, I give this land. When God speaks it in the present, it's just as good as done. He doesn't talk out of both sides of his mouth. And so I might have to, God is shaping my faith through this process of this vision and carrying this out. But the moment he spoke it to me in my heart, I knew he was going to accomplish it because I trust him at his word. Because I've witnessed his character because I know that he's my protection and my provision. That it doesn't, it's not reliant upon me either and in my weakness he's strong. And so our obedience and our faithfulness in this season is gonna impact generations to come. It's gonna impact the generations to come. And so uh, this band's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in a song uh, an, old, an old song with uh, a new chorus here. And, and we're going to begin to declare this in just a few moments together. But I want to ask you the question. I want to ask you the question. What's, what have you come in here with today? Are, are you willing to be moved from a comfortable place to a place of faith? Are, are you willing to go up to the line of comfort but not to past the threshold of scary in which it's no, I can no longer do it for myself in which it has to be God I'm just asking you to pray about it and ask what God's going to do in your heart are you willing to leave where you're at to go where he's taking you are you willing to get brutally honest like brutally honest like maybe these next few moments, just get, get it 100 and just say, God, like I want to trust you, but I'm struggling to cross this point and lead me on. Are you willing to trust his character when the evidence isn't matching that yet? Are you willing to take the steps forward knowing that he, has, he is your protection and he is your provision, that you can trust in him? We can make this all about financial stuff and a vision. We can make it about that, but it's not about that for me. It's about what God's doing in our heart. It's about how he's shaping faith. It's about who he's calling us to be. It's about the fact that this is only chapter one of our story. And the next time we come up here to do it, it won't be 200, it'll be 2 million. And that God is shaping our faith for a generation to come. I shared with some leaders um, last month that uh, it's become very real to me as I've processed this. And I've always known this, but that I'm a, I'm a temporary shepherd of Fathom Church. Like it, it's become very potently aware of that, that I won't be your pastor forever. I won't be your kid's pastor in 30 years, I won't. I'm not going anywhere. But at some point, God will take me on. He'll do something else in me. And what we're investing in, what we're dreaming about is for the generations to come. And it's about moving the vision forward that will carry the vision for the next generation. And I'm asking you today, what's God doing in your heart? What's God doing in your heart? Are you willing to leave where you're at? or to go where he's taking us.